No, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. So we we spent a lot of time planning and prepping to go to Chicago because for us, Chicago represented a really, a really, really amazing challenge for us as an organization. Chicago is legitimately a world class city. It has world class food. It has world, you know, it, it it is, it is, you know, on the global radar. And we knew by going to Chicago that it would help improve who we were as a company. Um, uh, you know, there's while we while our history with Milwaukee is forever entwined, and we wear once again that like a badge of honor. Um, when you're when you're so far embedded in a in a in a community, you know, you know what comes with that. We've worked hard to develop and build goodwill, and okay, maybe someone will give you a pass if an experience is a little less, you know, or maybe they'll, you know, because they've had such a long relationship, frankly, now we've got people's kids and their kids who have come to us, who have grown up, you know, um, on the, on the brand that, um, uh, and Madison, Madison was sort of our first step towards taking the brand out of the, out of, out of, you know, underneath our thumb and, you know, seeing how the brand would work in another market. Um, it was still close enough, but still sort of familiar enough that, um, um, we felt like it was a good, uh, good sort of uh, proving ground for us to start managing the brand off site, and um, and then you know Chicago for us really represents competing at a level that we want to hold the bar towards. We absolutely need to make sure that we we maintain um, and are frankly better than ever at home, but also make t- make sure that we can maintain and compete with you know because everybody who's great, um, you know, there's at least one of in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to Food Crush, the On Milwaukee podcast for people who eat and drink and wear masks and responsibly socially distance. I am your co-host, Matt Miller, culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. And I am joined, as always, by Lori Frederick, general dining queen of the world, and also a writer at onmilwaukee.com. Yeah. I went, of the I went, world. I went, went of the whole world, Lori. <laughs> of the whole my, my world is very world. small right now, so so I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, like, I uh, the election is tomorrow, and I early voted. And on the ballot, it had a category for uh, culinary queen of the world, and uh, you got my vote. So thank hopefully, you. hopefully thank the you. results come in, and that will be confirmed and elected. Lori I'm a write in candidate. <laughs> There you go. So yeah. how are you doing yeah. today, Lori? It's the it's the day before the election. And as we all know, it's gonna be a very chill election. Uh, oh, so chill. So so uneventful. Everybody knows how this is gonna turn out. No. I saw there was a thing today that was there's that lawsuit in Texas about throwing out uh drive through votes that were cast. There were like 126 drive-through votes that uh that uh, a certain party was trying to toss out. And uh, the judge said, nah, no thanks. You're going to have yeah. to count those. So that's some rare yeah. some rare good news in this wind-up. Well, that's good. That's good because people, no matter how they voted, their vote should count. So Exactly. And I mean, I mean, interesting. People are in the future are going to be listening to this podcast. This podcast is probably yes. happening a week or two after the election. So for all mm-hmm. we know, everyone's just like chill and awesome and we're like a cure for COVID or, or we Or up. we have no idea who the new <laughs> president every, is at all. Or everything is on fire. Those are our Options. Yeah. <laughs> the two options. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll I'm not going to make any predictions on that. On that I'm front. going to predict. Uh, I am going to stress eat. That is my prediction for Tuesday night. So 
and stress drink. Uh, and uh, speaking of drinks, seamless speaking of transition. Drinks, yes. And seamless. I might, <laughs> and I might need a little bit of extra coffee. Yeah, over the next few days. Um, and fortunately, we do have somebody to help with that. Um, our guest today is Scott Schwebo from Collectivo, longtime coffee roastery in Milwaukee. Which, gosh, you guys have been around for. 27 years? Scott? Yeah, 27. Is, is yep. that really yep. is that really true? It Does is, that make us true. all really old? <laughs> it it might. It might. Important to know, this is a through the look uh through uh, you get to look uh behind the curtain here. Just want to compliment Scott for easily the best uh cell phone stand situation. <laughs> uh, because for those who don't know, we've been having to record these podcasts with our cell phones recording inches from our face awkwardly perched by our mouths. And me and Lori just hold them by our mouths like idiots. Uh, but Scott uh, grabbed himself a hard cold brew uh, and he's using that as his little stand. Mm-hmm. So he's making me both thirsty while he has his cell phone in the right place. So congratulations, Scott. Yes, my Thank arm you. is jealous. A little off, office cleverness. We get clever here as we're locked away in our offices by ourselves. Yeah. So give thank me, you. Yeah, Give me 50 thank minutes you. and I'll be really angry at you for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how how bad how bad my arm my arms feel and how jealous I get. So I'm already exhausted. Yeah. And we are four minutes in. Yeah. yeah. My arm is deceased. I am a weak yeah. human. Yeah. So so Scott <laughs> Scott, you've been with Collectivo for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um but when did you come on? So how much how much how far away from the beginning of all of this? So I, 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 well, I like to say that I've been around the brand since it started because the very first two employees of the company back when it was Altera lived across the hall from me in the apartment building um, that I had on the east side. So I started okay. drinking what was uh, unknown to me, really great coffee because you know it used to just be grocery store coffee. It's hard to believe back in the early 90s um, how far the coffee industry has come just in general. Um, so I've been, I've been around the brand since the beginning and and uh, was a customer and had a personal relationships um, um, uh, with Paul Miller, one of the one of the three uh, founders of the company. Um, and uh, and then I've been in my current role for ten years. Um, okay. So, okay. So I I came in you know twenty ten or ish. Um, I was actually working a little bit behind the scenes before I came on uh, uh, full time um, here, but. I've basically yeah. been with the company for for a decade. So, but but way 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 back then, you were too busy like making music. With, <laughs> you know, with the yes, cops, I did right? in a pre, in a previous life. Yes, in a previous life. Yes, yes, yes. that yes. feels like a very long time ago. That when I see like... you, I still I still have tunes from the Guffs running through my head. Here okay. Here. Well, thank you well, know. thank you. Hopefully, that's a, hopefully that's po- hopefully that's positive. Hopefully, skills that yeah. go from being in a in a rock band to uh, helping to sell coffee and and run a coffee business. Was there yeah. any transitionable skills there? 
Well, you know, it was interesting traveling the country. One of the one of the simple joys um, that you would find is whenever you rolled into a city. Um, I wasn't like the rest of the guys in the band. The rest of the guys in the band were all sort of happy staying in the venue or backstage hospitality. I always wanted to get out and walk the neighborhoods in the city. So early on, believe it or not, it was sort of hard to find a really great coffee shop. But I had been spoiled from my existence in Milwaukee, um, not only with uh, Altera, but then you had the coffee. I lived on the east side. You had the coffee trader so you kind of you, you knew what good coffee was so i would say my experience was twofold one i got to see a lot of different sort of cafe environments around the world but two i basically lived my life going from coffee to maybe beer let's say um as 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 beverages so um so i consumed plenty um and maybe maybe that helped in a little bit of a, a way prepare me for what turned out to be an unknown uh, career direction uh, later in yeah. life yeah. And I often think that, um, I don't know if this is an art imitates life, imitates art sort of situation, but the grunge era was very good for coffee. Oh, it was huge. <laughs> it was huge for coffee. I mean, the epicenter was in the, you know, so. the coffee capital of the world now out in Seattle. And yes, so uh, maybe it is art imitates life, imitates art. Yeah. Yeah. Imitates Music life. imitates yeah. coffee, imitates yeah. Yeah. music, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I didn't so know you were going to bring that one up on me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I didn't worry about that. I, 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 get, I get a little. Laurie Frederick, famously the, the Mike Wallace of uh, yeah. of, of food yeah. journalists. Don't yeah. be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. I was I was a big fan of the Guffs, no, and thanks. it was it was even more fun because you guys were from here and. Yeah, we wore we traveled when we traveled the country. We wore our our badge of Milwaukee. Very proud. We would talk about it every night on stage. We loved being from Milwaukee. So, yeah, and that you know we have we have some good bands from here now. Um, Absolutely, but I think I think really it took a while, you know, for that to really to really take off. So I don't know. Yeah, no, the, the music scene is a, is amazing now, and and very diverse, um, which is amazing too. Yeah, All sorts absolutely. of genres coming out of this city, and and just like the coffee scene, <laughs> yeah. Which yep. which back yep. in you know 1994, um, that was not really the case. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there were there were a couple of there were a couple of coffee shops, you know, at least one on Brady Street. I'm trying to remember. It's it's hard to remember back that far. Yeah, um, there was Northwestern Mills down in the Third Ward before the Third Ward was a Third Ward, so you could go and buy coffee there. And um, yeah, but I do no, remember the nothing. coffee. Tra- I do remember the coffee trader, and I yeah. loved the coffee trader. This is this yeah. was all before probably... I drank coffee. I, <laughs> I dr- back back then I only knew of coffee as that that smelly place that my mom and dad went to yeah. to get weird brown <laughs> liquid. Yeah, Matt, this yeah. was a while ago, but yeah, that was an icon of the East Side. Yeah, that and it was huge. Yes. It felt I think it was the biggest coffee shop of potentially like I don't know, in in my in my cognizance. So yep. um but yeah, so so you guys have come a long way, you know, and, and there's been name changes and you know, I don't know, all sorts of things. So when you kind of look back on the history of Collectivo, you know, as Altera and kind of moving into, you know, a new identity um, as Collectivo. Um, what do you, what do you think about? And what do you, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. What do you see? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been a really fun journey. Um, 
you know, from what you know started out as a as an idea with Lincoln, Paul, and Ward, you know, in a in a warehouse down in uh, uh, you know Walker's Point, Fifth Ward area. Um, I think that they would tell you that they're in absolute amazement of what's been built today from that simple idea. I mean, they started the company um, with a very very simple idea. They just wanted to do something really well. And coffee was uh, uh, emerging and had turned into an evolved passion um, for the three of them. Um, and the idea of roasting coffee, it's hard to believe, especially considering with how prevalent uh, 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 sort of independent or specialty coffee is nowadays, that that was, you know, almost unchartered territory, except for a couple of players. Um, and, you know, starting from the small uh, roasting side and then dabbling into, you know, the first re retail location, um, which, you know, was the former existence of where the Bayshore Mall is um, now. Um, uh, and then growing and then knowing that retail was going to be a really important part of the experience and the storytelling. I mean, you know, the brand has always, always been about storytelling and sort of um, bringing, bringing, you know, the stories of whether it's the the origins and the farmers we source um, and roast from, or the bakery and the ingredients, you know, the happy chickens that make up what goes into our product, um, to, the, to the way we want our environment, you know, to be very artful and handcrafted that, um, you know, it's been sort of really remarkable. One, not only for me starting out on the other side of the counter and being a, you know, a long time uh, fan and customer of not only the quality of the product but the strength of the brand um, and then to have to participate in sort of authoring what turned out to be kind of this next chapter of the organization between the name change so I was brought in and one of the responsibilities for bringing me in was to lead the brand through um, through the name change and to author the next chapter of the company yeah. and, that was yeah. that was not an easy moment to, no. to start on <laughs> yeah I think I think all of my friends if they knew why I was coming over or one of the real reasons why I was coming over that some of them you know because coming out of uh, you know the agency world you know the uh, sort of brand marketing um, agency world um, you don't rename healthy brands I mean you generally rename right. brands that are in major crisis or have to reinvent themselves and I think some people would have said that's like suicide. What are you doing? You're signing up to do what? Right. Um, and I, right. you know, came in, and uh, there was only a couple of us in the, in the company that knew that it was going to happen. So a lot of it happened behind the scenes. Basically, I worked for two years, um, uh, sort of prepping, planning, leading everything through. I mean, it was quite the adventure. Embark, you know, getting because, like for example, coffee bags. You have to order those almost a year out. And so nine months before the name change, we were taking receipts secretly of Colectivo coffee bags while we were still at Altera and we had to we had to park them at a at a offsite warehouse and then we were starting to get cups and all these other things. So there's this like massive, very fun um, uh, kind of cloak and dagger going on behind the scenes of, of while also preserving this lovely, beautiful, you know, sort of um, you know, iconic Milwaukee um, brand. So it was, it was, it was, you know, it was a fantastic challenge for me. It was really fun. Um, a lot of people have asked me if I was nervous at all, and I think I was so busy that I didn't have a chance to be nervous because I think if I'd thought about it, I probably would have been pretty nervous um, of kind of changing the name yeah. of. Uh, yeah. Um, but well, um, uh, it worked. Well, and and not to dwell on that too intensely, but I think you know. A. Altera had had long enough mm -hmm. to become a beloved brand, mm -hmm. you know, because this was this was circa like 2010. So, 
that's Correct. 10 years, six, 16 years of, of Altera that people needed to sort of, you know, shift from um, name-wise. And, and we all know how hard names are to get rid of, you know. Yes. I still... <laughs> Miller Miller Park is going to be, you know, the next one. Forever, that we yeah, have. forever well, Miller Park. Don't bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, I mean, but I remember when I, when I was County Bradley Center. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember I called it County Stadium for forever and ever because yep. that's what it was to me. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, and this and this all boiled down to, I mean, you guys licensed Mars, you know, to do some some product with the Altera name. Um, and that was kind of when K-Cups started being big. True. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. so what, what had happened is the Mars organization was was looking for a specialty coffee brand. And they had actually, they'd come in and they had tried to buy the Altera brand. And Lincoln, Paul, and Ward, um, just they, they, they weren't interested in selling the company. Um, they still had more gas in the tank of what they wanted to accomplish. And they sort of, they knew what, you know, Mars, Mars is not a retailer. You know, Mars is a, they're a product. They operationalize things. They shrink wrap things. And yes, uh, Laurie, they, so Mars owns the Flavia technology, which is one of the pioneering single serve um, technology that's commercial. Like, you know, Kara Green Mountain went, went to the consumer route and uh, Mars had this commercial entity. And so finally, after saying no kind of multiple times, the Mar- Mars organization said to us, well, what can we do? We love the brand. We, we need to understand specialty coffee. Um, and so uh, the company agreed to sell them the rights to the Altera name and certain intellectual property, meaning like certain brand imagery, and then help train them on how to be special, how to roast and source specialty coffee. So they never, ever owned, you know, which was one of the opportunities for the name change to clear up because it was a little bit misunderstood. People thought that Mars bought the organization or people thought that, you right. know, somehow we were partnering. That, that wasn't, in fact, true. They've never, ever owned a single piece of the company. They just bought the, the global rights to the name and the story and then certain intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of it, when we changed our name was when we, officially parted ways and the Altera brand and name has gone on, you know, to sort of live in multiple countries around the world. And we've, you know, stayed local and kind of done our thing. And, um, you know, we never actually even roasted a single coffee um, for them. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so the Mars organization made their way to little old Milwaukee, Wisconsin yeah. and found this brand that they, that they loved in this organization. And Which is, which is kind of a big deal, you know, and I think, I think people were, torn about it, you know, A, because some people didn't understand that you weren't selling yeah. out. You weren't, it wasn't yeah. like this, this little homegrown, you know, coffee brand was selling out, you know, no, to this no. humongous thing. And suddenly there were going to be Alteras everywhere. Um, yeah. No, but, it's a remar- um, remarkable story that they, you know, that's something that was built, you know, Milwaukee's not known for giving birth to a lot of things to the world. I mean, there's a co- couple of great examples, you know, you've got Harley Davidson or like we were talking Miller beer and, and the mm-hmm. fact that, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's a best in category company for what they do made their way to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's a pretty remarkable story. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and what was the, what was really the, the decision to change the name to Collectivo um, was that in part due to just just wanting a clean break, you know, for the well, brand, we, or was there more to it? 
Nope. That would, well, so when we had, when when the deal was done with Mars, there was there was always an agreement that at the end of it we were going to part ways, and we would, and the Altera brand would go on and be its own thing, and we would rename ourselves and continue on as as, as who we were. Um, you know, uh, how, okay, how, so that was that was always. It was point. always going to be yeah. It was always going to be part of it. Yes, there was the chance that maybe we would have existed longer or could have existed longer together, but you know, frankly, we wanted we wanted. We wanted to go our own way as soon as we as soon as we could as soon as um, we were able to sort of fulfill our end of the, the the bargain with the Mars organization and train them on specialty coffee, have them understand sort of what the Altera brand is and means, and work with their organization. Um, so yeah, so it was always part of the plan that um, mm-hmm. um, we were going to rename and go our separate ways. So. And then, you know, we got a chance to, you know, at 20, we got a chance to reinvent ourselves. And, you know, the first, right. I always said the first 20 years, you know, sort of was the Altera brand. And now, now I have a chance to rename it. You know, the brand has been fueled and freighted with so much great stuff. And it's become sort of everybody's brand as well, you know, at least here in Milwaukee, that it was a great opportunity to kind of, all right, let's make this, this is a, a great way to start the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and a lot of things have happened since then. I mean, you guys have a have a bakery mm. brand, yes, <laughs> a distributor bakery brand, and Ubidor, you yep. know, um, you know, prior, I guess, prior to COVID, and I guess technically, I guess you still have twenty one locations. Yes, we, yes, with, we do. With they're, not all op- they're not all currently open. closed. Yeah, four of um, them. Four of them are technically closed now. Yeah. So yeah, um, we had. Oh, four of them now. Yeah, so, but yeah. but now you have cafes, Madison, Chicago, yes, um, and Milwaukee. Yep. So, so it is kind of a you know, and it, it's still not it's not a chain, you know. No, it's still a small Milwaukee brand <laughs> that that just yeah. grew up with multiple locations. So, yeah. and how how has that? How have you managed to keep that? You know that that connection to Milwaukee um, while, you know, kind of growing and giving exposure to both the brand and I guess in some ways our city, you know, in other places. Madison, Madison is is an interesting market, but still Wisconsin. So I think Chicago is maybe a more interesting example of, you know, kind of moving outside of the usual boundaries. Yeah, it is interesting. I'm not going to diss on Madison, but Milwaukeeans know way more about Madison than Madison knows about Milwaukee. If you ever, I've found that <laughs> very to be very true. When you go back and forth, Madison sort of lives in their own bubble. Um, and we, well, we and know there's a lot. a lot of stereotypes about Milwaukee that Madison's will, Madisonians will tell you about if you ask about Milwaukee. You know, yeah, I, I do my um, best to debunk them all the time when I'm up there. Yes, all the time. Yes. Um, so, I'm, so I'm sorry, way, I, I drifted yeah. off your question. Yeah. Oh no, that's okay. I was going to get into the complexity of Madison because <laughs> Madison and Milwaukee, while being only an hour and a half apart, are are really two different places. Yes. Um, and I think you know, in the in the world of food, a lot of chefs have really tried to bridge that gap. You know, by collaborating and. Um, doing things. Um, but it's amazing how, even though we're in the same state and we're the two largest, kind of largest markets here, how different how different the markets are. 
So yeah, well, the university, the, the 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 government, and then now the emerging mm-hmm. technology and health. I mean, it just it's it adds a different complexion to the to the city, you know, of Madison. I mean, I love Madison. I don't want to, you know, I think it's a it's a fantastic city, and it's fun that it's so close and that it's so different. But yeah, there's just there's different things driving the engines of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, no, Madison is it's a wonderful. Um, it's a wonderful city, but it's very different than Milwaukee. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then and then you get to Chicago, and and mm-hmm. how did that feel? Was that was that a difficult transition? Did you get flack from, you know, Chicago roasteries or folks in Chicago area you know, uh, for being a? No, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting. So we we spent a lot of time planning and prepping to go to Chicago because for us, Chicago represented a really a really, really amazing challenge for us as an organization. Chicago is legitimately a world-class city. It has world-class food. It has, world, you know, it, it, it is, it is, you know, on the global radar. And we knew by going to Chicago that it would help improve who we were as a company. Um, uh, you know, there's, while we, while our history with Milwaukee is forever entwined and we wear, once again, that like a badge of honor, um, when you're, when you're, so far embedded in a in a in a community you know you know what comes with that we've worked hard to develop and build goodwill and okay maybe someone will give you a pass if an experience is a little less you know or maybe they'll you know because they've had such a long relationship frankly now we've got people's kids and their kids who have come to us who have grown up you know um on the on the brand that um uh and madison madison was sort of our first step towards taking the brand out of the out of out of you know, underneath our thumb and, you know, seeing how the brand would work in another market. Um, it was still close enough, but still sort of familiar enough that um, um, we felt like it was a good uh, good sort of uh, proving ground for us to start managing the brand off-site. And, um, and then, you know, Chicago for us really represents competing at a level that we want to hold a bar towards. We absolutely need to make sure that we, we maintain... Um, and are frankly better than ever at home, but also make t- make sure that we can maintain and compete with, you know, because everybody who's great, um, you know, there's at least one of in Chicago. I mean, um, not only in our category, but even in the small roaster category. So when we came in, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, we've you, your earlier question said, how do we maintain what we're doing? Well, we've never taken our foot off the gas on a few things. You know, the reason we're not a chain is because every single cafe is built and designed differently. It shares a similar aesthetic theme but not no two cafe is alike and there's no cookie cutter formula for us so we've maintained that we're not going to compromise on the quality not only from how we roast and source frankly one of the reasons we want it to grow is to create more opportunity not only for our roasters but for the people within our organization so um, when we went into chicago um, you know we chose a very competitive uh, market Um, we bit off a very, very um, uh, important corner. I mean, obviously there's just pure business aspects that are different. Chicago is a lot more expensive to operate in than, than Milwaukee. Um, we, we were uh, dead set on bringing the best of who we are and wanted to build a flagship experience um, uh, for Chicago. So, you know, our first cafe was in Lincoln Park. 
Um, that wasn't the neighborhood we were planning to land the flag, but it was mm -hmm. the right corner and opportunity to do what we do best after looking for about, I looked for about two years before I found sort of mm -hmm. the spot where we all agreed like this is, this is it. This is how we can plant the Milwaukee what? flag. What other neighborhoods were you kind of looking at? Were there was there like one neighborhood in particular you were like, what, what was there one that was like that's that's the that's the dreamland? Well, so there, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Matt, obviously Chicago is full of so many amazing neighborhoods, and frankly, neighborhoods inside of neighborhoods, you know, it's so dense. Um, uh, Lincoln Park actually wasn't even really on the radar. We were looking at some of the more kind of transitional neighborhoods, much like what we've gone into here in Milwaukee. I mean, you look at where I'm talking to you from in River West, you know, we took sort of a broken down corner and reinvented it to help sort of, you know, give a sense of place to what we believe was a really important, funky, artful neighborhood. And I was looking in neighborhoods more like that in Chicago, um, you know, less, less obvious, um, more chance, um, you know, for us to kind of really come in and make an impact. It just so happened that um, the corner um, and you know, I've, I've dumb luck found it on dumb luck. I mean, I would just go down and comb the neighbor, comb the. I mean, I've lived in Chicago a couple of times, even though Milwaukee is home, and I have you know experience through a lot of the neighborhoods. And I would just go comb the neighborhoods, and either by bicycle or walking. And I found a business that had just gone out, and there was a sign on the door, and I, and I saw what we could do on the corner by building this little pocket park and this indoor outdoor experience for the brand, um, uh, which is what we love to do. Um, and so it just happened to be the right spot. And it was interesting because some of the real estate people were like, oof, that corridor, nothing really works there. And we're like, we've, we've got a plan. We hope that what, you know, what we want to bring will work. Um, so yeah, so now, now we have five locations in Chicago. We've intentionally spread them out. Um, Laurie, to your question, you know, we've gone into a couple of neighborhoods that are maybe a little bit more embedded in the culture that they are, and we've had to work hard, and we're still working hard to continue to earn um, um, their respect. But for the most part, you don't have Milwaukee brands going into Chicago. It's kind of the more vice versa. Yeah. The Chicago come into Milwaukee. So, you know, we, we took that very seriously too, that we wanted to, you know, we're a Milwaukee brand coming to represent um, in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, needless to say, the first day we were open, there were a few people walking in who either had W's on their W's on their hat or mm -hmm. said, Hey, I've been to Milwaukee and I've been to that one spot or I know, you know, so we were able to connect the dots there, but um, anyway, we took we took we took all aspects of it very seriously. But more importantly, we wanted to come into Milwaukee and compete, or come into Chicago and compete, and uh, show a world class city that um, you know we have something to offer and share and 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 do it well and frankly learn a lot. And we are, and we're continuing to learn a lot. So yeah, yeah. Well, and we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing such an influx of folks from Chicago coming up and enjoying Milwaukee. I mean, mm -hmm. at least I can speak solidly to that in terms of dining. Um, yep. You know, that people are, because Chicago does tend to be a little more expensive, you know, tends to have a little bit less parking, um, you know, mm -hmm. big world-class city problems yes, um, exactly. that you sort of eliminate, you know, virtually an hour and a half or two away. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, there are good things happening in that regard too, because I think Chicago is beginning to see the benefits benefits of Milwaukee. Oh, um, absolutely. And, you know, and likewise and vice versa. So had you tried to do that, you know, years earlier, maybe it would have been a little bit harder. Maybe. Well, we, we, we definitely would not have been ready either um, organizationally. Mm -hmm. You can't, um, you can't look off the level of complexity 
um, running a daily business with fresh, you know, fresh daily bakery and products of that nature and getting in and out of the city. And frankly, just, I mean, you know, it's, we're learning something new every day, but yeah, we wouldn't have been ready, um, mm-hmm. uh, th- frankly, any earlier. Are there things you learned from Chicago that you did bring back here? Was Were there demands that the market made that you were like, whoa, like um, that, you know, is not yeah, there's something def- we thought of? <laughs> um, well, the, uh, so I had always been advocating for our menu to get a little bit more progressive. Um, um, in Milwaukee, we have such a long history and people have such a long relationship with a lot of our products. Um, but there were food trends um, uh, you know, that I had been identifying and wanted to bring into our organization. We just weren't quite sure how it would, how it would work. Um, and so we've been able to sort of push those forward in Chicago and also find home for homes for them here, um, in, in Milwaukee and, and Madison. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, so we've been able to use, we've been able to sort of express some, some, uh, uh creative, um, um, uh, sort of uh, ingenuity um, into the organization because of either gaining confidence or being able to test um, products um, in the other other two markets have been able to influence here or test them, you know, there and in a couple of spots here. Um, you know, Chicago obviously is a different. Um, it, 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 they're just they're different markets. I mean, they're denser cities. Um, one, you have a tremendous uh, higher degree of sort of transient customers. Um, you know, because people. I mean, Chicago every weekend, especially in the summer. I mean, it is like it's a tourist mecca. Um, even when you're up in neighborhoods, um, you know. So um, we've had to, you know, uh, we've had to get better at our hospitality. Um, uh, uh, chops and our organizational chops when it comes to that. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's more difficult to get around in the city of Chicago. You know, like here you can swap somebody between River West and Shorewood and our prospect location. It's like, that's easy peasy. You know, it's like, you want to pick up some extra hours or you you, you had to, you know, you you had a class or something that you missed a shift at prospect and you want to slide over to Humboldt, no problem. Sliding from Wicker Park, to Logan Square or Andersonville, it's like that's a legit <laughs> commute, you know. So, yes. um, you know, so we've uh, we've you know had to you know had to figure that out and um, and sort of get to know you know a different a different employee base and and get to know different customer relationships. Um, uh, you know, so every every day I feel like there's something something you know sort of little nuggets little crumbs on the table that you pick up and go oh yeah okay that's good um as well as we've been able to translate a lot of what's really great here and worked for us for years um you know into those cities and prove that you know what we've got something mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think it's a mixed bag and i think a lot of times when when businesses grow um and especially when they move to new markets people people don't consider the fact that that's like you know it's it's like a marriage like if you just sit around and do the same thing every single day and and nobody grows and like yeah, that's no continues fun. to evolve and have new interests mm-hmm. and you don't do things that are outside of your comfort zone like it gets boring mm-hmm. really fast <laughs> really yeah and fast. you know ch- and and, ch- and change and growth can be a scary thing for people mm-hmm. yeah so so a lot of times you know shaking it up a little bit and moving into a market you know whether you stay there whether it works whether it doesn't work it's a really good exercise mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for the business um and you know, kind of, kind of looking over all of that, like nobody 
could have seen, you know, as much as I guess you guys couldn't have seen being ready for the Chicago market or maybe even the Madison market um, before you did it. Um, nobody saw COVID-19 coming. Uh, <laughs> and that's yeah. been... <laughs> no. Um, no. And, and so there was like, there was no way for anybody to plan. Um, and you guys, we talked a little bit about this off off air kind of before this, but, um, and I like coffee has to be impacted much like, much like restaurants, like any food or beverage business. And, and you were saying maybe not quite as much as restaurants. Um, but because, I mean, you're gathering places, you're places where people go to hang out, you know? So how has that, how has that looked? And like, have there been unexpected sort of saving graces um, in the, in, you know, have, have lots of people bought bagged beans that didn't before? Like how, how has that looked from a coffee perspective? Well, it's, it, it is definitely, it would definitely came in like a sledgehammer, um, you know, and in, in the middle of March when we had to shut down all of our cafes and you essentially look at like 80% of your business being turned off overnight. Um, and you know the part of our business which is our lifeblood are the cafes you know we've 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 built you know 21 cafes that are designed for people to commune at and not only that but they're embedded in people's daily habits whether it's a quick cup of coffee before you go to work or it's stopping for a coffee and a bite to eat to have a meeting before you go to work or where during the day where your meeting spot you know and so routines are all they're out the window um, you know we had to figure out a way um, uh, to sort of reinvent the, the transaction or the, the occasion that we had, knowing that, one, nobody was coming in. And frankly, you know, we're still at that point, even though we've enjoyed a little bit of a, of a reprieve. But, um, uh, you know, over the, the, you know, with the nice weather in summer, but, you know, obviously we all know what the situation is now with uh, where the arrow is pointing for um, what COVID is going to kind of bring back around. But, um, you know, we totally had to pivot. I mean, fortunately... Fortunately, we had just launched, you know, we're, we're a DIY shop. We're sort of, while our cafes appear very analog and the brand appears very analog, we've got a bunch of kind of sophisticated technology that lives under the hood of our organization that we've all, we've custom built ourselves. I mean, we custom built our own POS that the cafes run on. We built our own app and all the technology around it. And so we had just fortunately, um, uh, you know, you can't predict the luck of timing, but, you know, we had just deployed our new app and our new app has basically been a, a savior for our business. It's allowed us to pivot. And one, for me, it's it's not just about the transaction, but it allows us to in, inject a little bit of our personality into the transaction that's, you know, now on a phone um, to try to, you know, because that's a big part of who we are, our brand, you know, it's the personality has been sort of equally important to the products that we serve and the places that we um, make and the people that, you know, serve them to you. Um, so, you know, we've been able to pivot and we've invented curbside and, you know, at one point, hundred percent of our transactions were going through the app only. Um, now we're still, you know, business is still, we're still hurting. I mean, we're still only operating at, uh, reduced hours. We have, you know, you know, four cafes that are, that are closed Two have yet to reopen since the pandemic shut down just because you know, U.S. Bank and Bayshore Mall, there's just, there's nobody there, you know, nobody's officing in the right. U.S. Bank towers right. and nobody's up at the, up at the mall. And we had a couple other locations that just proved to be unviable, you know, from people just aren't in their routines. And, um, 
yes, you know, our web business has seen significant growth. Um, you know, when everything shut down, you couldn't go to the grocery store. Yes, the web business was, um, you know, enjoying um, running along at a nice hum. You know, none of it, none of it offsets um, what we're dealing with now. I mean, we've got some cafes that are, are staggeringly off from what they were, you know, a year ago, and other cafes that are kind of working hard to just get by. So yes, no, you couldn't. It, but we've done our best to reinvent how we deliver food. We tried to invent a couple of new products that were much more kind of occasion-driven, knowing that everything is to go. We've had to rejigger the cafe experience, how they work, how they organize, you know, and we're doing all this trying to preserve a company as well as as many jobs as we can, um, uh, as well as as much normalcy as we can. I mean, I remember when our cafe is closed and driving around, yes, it hurts from a business standpoint, but what really hurts is that sense of normalcy in that neighborhood, it doesn't exist, you know? And it's like, it's very sad. Um, yeah, and well, so, you know, yeah, coffee shops were such a big part of, I know, my personal, mm-hmm. you know, uh, routine, because that's where I got my best writing done. I needed to be mm-hmm. in kind of a neutral space like that, yep. uh, where you don't have, you know, your TV or anything like that. And I haven't been to a, a coffee shop to write since the beginning of the pandemic. And it's it it's really it's it, it it's a loss in terms of production for me, um, but also it's that loss of like you said of normalcy of of a pattern of a of of a sense of of no know, knowing how how this day is going to proceed and obviously obviously above all people losing their jobs and businesses closing are the more devastating effects than me not having a place to write. Um, but it is like, it, 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 it's so much more than just a place to get something to drink. It is, you know, it is a, a vibrant part right of the now, community. Yeah. yeah. And right now that, that portion of it is, is as, as all businesses are seeing, it's, it's really hard to get that back. Even if you do open in a limited way. Yeah. Well, no, we're and- all, yep. Yeah, and what so? What kinds of things have you guys have you guys introduced? Um, you talked about you know because of doing only carry out. Like, how do you get people excited about you know the sandwich that they ordered because they were sitting in a cafe and it was convenient? You know, what yeah. sorts of things have you guys done? Well, you know the you know the app we tried to make as visual as possible to try to replicate um, you know the cafe experience of walking in and seeing a piece of bakery in the case or seeing you know. We use a lot of illustration, seeing the illustration of the food or frankly seeing the food go out, you know, through the cafe in a basket. Um, uh, you know, we, we re-examined a bunch of products and said, ooh, can, what, what, you know, we started out with a limited menu, like only things that would we were confident that could travel well and frankly it would be sort of easier on the cafe um, staff and a limited production, you know, uh, capabilities at the bakery. I mean, because you have, you have to remember we're a fully integrated machine. I mean, we make everything that... We produce and make, and we source, make, produce, and and service everything that we sell. You know, so on the food side and on the coffee side, um, you know. But then we 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 realize, okay, people are a little bit more on the go. Their patterns are changing. So let's try protein shakes. You know, and let's try to do them in our in our sort of personality. Okay, bowls aren't really working, and that was a really important category. What can we do to kind of um, scratch the itch of that more progressive? 
um, eater that's looking for something that's maybe a little bit, you know, uh, has a dietary, you know, progressive um, mm-hmm. uh, lean to it's it. Hel- or, it's helpful. It's lighter. Yeah, but yeah, it's still, yeah. And, the, and yeah. then we also, because we weren't running or we're still not running at, at the same production capacity, we had extra time in the bakery. We had been toying with English muffins. We'd wanted, wanted to do English muffins forever and a certain type of English muffin. So we had... We had extra bandwidth, so we worked on developing English muffins, and we invented a new breakfast sandwich category um, that was really portable and really high quality, and um, you know something, frankly, you can't you can't really can't really get it. Nobody's, to my knowledge, is even doing English muffins the way we're doing English muffins, you know. So, um, op, you know, opportunity. I mean, and some of it was all just it was mental health too. I mean, we're an we're an organization of creators, and customers have who have gotten used to us, you know. Uh, creating our own excitement. So um, we just didn't want to sit around. Um, we wanted to try to figure out ways to kind of continue to drive our own excitement for the organization and for our customers. Um, um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to do that, you know, trying to do it in a metered way, you know, because, um, you know, there's not as much business out there currently. I mean, we're looking forward to when we all get to the other side of this, I know. Yeah. Now, how much of, like, We've just been talking about how people's people's day to day, you know, people's mm-hmm. schedules, people's normal has really, really changed. How much of that change is going to stick around? Do you have do you have any sense or any intuition about that in terms of of the the role of a coffee shop cafe? Well, I I, I think uh, you know it's a great question, Lori, because I think that you can. You can look down some statistical um, uh, evidence that we know is never going to be the same. First of all, the way people office is never going to be the same again. Um, you have people that will never go back. There'll be corporations that will never go back to 100% occupancy. So, you know, that, that, that routine is forever disrupted. Now, what does that mean for somebody like us? Does that mean that, you know, the third place um, becomes even more important or sees a higher whip in participation maybe I was say, yeah that seems you know, to be a boon for you guys it, it, I mean, it, it, a it, coffee shop would seem to be ideal for it, businesses going it, sans office yeah, anymore yeah it, it could be it also might mean that and we've seen this too that you know your day part pushes back you know we used to start you know big 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 busy part of the day for us was that 6 30 to 8 o'clock window well that's all slid back now will that stay that might stay. And, you know, Matt, to your one question or to your comment about, yes, it could be a boon on the other side, you know, then you run into sort of uh, occupancy challenges. You know, people want to come and it, it used to be the exception versus the rule. It used to be you would get out of your, you'd get out of your office for a couple hours, you'd go take a meeting or a change of environment. Over the last couple of years, it's kind of moved more towards, well, the cafe is my office. And now I'm here for six hours. Well, that table's not available, you know. So, we're we're not quite sure. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that when this is all over, there's going to be sort of this irrational exuberance of people wanting to be with each other. It's going to take a little bit of time for people to get over the ick of, you know, am I really comfortable? Let's say there's a vaccine and we're all, you know, there's herd immunity, and um, it'll take a little bit of time for people. But once they're comfortable, I can I'm definitely, you know. Nice days are going to pop, especially in Wisconsin. You know, people are going to want to commune. So, well, um, you have to wonder too if the culture changes too. If you if if uh, a coffee shop. 
goes from the place you go to escape the office or the place you go to, you know, get a breath of fresh air becomes a place you go to very regularly as a part of work meetings and stuff like that. Does that change how you view a coffee shop? Does the coffee yeah. shop no longer become that that respite? And and I mean, I we saw places like this. I, I briefly took a, a trip to Minnesota earlier uh, earlier this fall. And we drove past one of those places that's like basically that empty husk of a meeting space mm-hmm. where it's just like you rent out a meeting room. And yeah. Yeah. like, are, are coffee shops going to have to turn into that on some level where it's like the meeting places, like you're going to have to have like a separate space exclusively for these kind of meeting quorums that are going to happen so you can still have a functioning coffee shop. It's, it's just this whole new post-COVID world that we'll eventually end up in that is yeah. so many question marks. And I'm sure yeah. that's very stressful as a as a business owner to be like, I wish I knew what the world will look like in a year. <laughs> I wish yeah. we could start prepping for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- I think the one thing we know is technology technology has leapfrogged ten years. I mean, there are there are people who probably would have never gotten comfortable ordering on a on a on a phone, um, who we have now seen, you know, out of out of necessity. We've gotten comfortable and frankly kind of like it, you know, or the or the uh, the convenience that, you know, has become a part of, of you know, of, you know, co- the compression here of a 10 year uh, um, adoption cycle, um, which, you I know, get, it's also it, it's exciting. It's I get know. so concerned we're going to turn into Wally people, though. Like, that's my <laughs> my great concern about yeah. this COVID thing is that, you know, people are like, I'm never going to a movie theater again. Why would I go to a movie theater if yeah. I can watch everything at home? Put movies in my home. I don't want to go anywhere. And yeah. I can get food and coffee delivered to me wherever I want. And I'm just like, yeah. we are going to become the boneless gelatin people from Wally, just <laughs> zipping around on futons. Yeah. Um, it, 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 that, that part is when, when I'm feeling really down on the world, I get a little concerned that we're going to turn into this dystopia of, of gel cubes. Um, well, but, some won't, and those that won't, won't. You know, I mean, the, the, good, news is, yeah. the good news is is humanity craves other humans, you know, and so... I hope um, so. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that, you know, on the other side of this, we'll, uh, connections will, might even be more meaningful than ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, and there have been a ton of, so do you think people have gotten better at making their own coffee? <laughs> I think a lot of people have refamiliarized themselves for sure yeah. with, with making yeah. their own uh, uh, coffee for, for yeah. sure. Not have they like, gotten like, better? Are you, mm. Yeah. Well, I guess you would gauge based on like, are people buying different brewing equipment or are they relying on their, you know, 20 year old drip coffee makers, right? Yeah, uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both, Lori. I think I think anything you can buy and get shipped to your house during this time, people have bu- been buying and getting shipped to their house, which includes probably brewing equipment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I definitely think people have gotten uh, uh, have refamiliarized themselves with how to make a pot of coffee at home or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> well, and another thing, and and I don't know, I don't know how. Related to COVID, it is overall, um, but there's been a, you know, it's it's been tough times for a lot of people. Um, when you talk about jobs and you know people um, adjusting to kind of new normals, um, people you know people losing their jobs, people being out of work, um, 
in. And that's sort of, that's impacted kind of a lot of things about the world. And I mean, we often talk about this as, you know, like, I mean, well, we, we saw so much of the world and it wasn't that the world fell apart, but we saw like the cracks, you know, yeah. or the things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure like every business probably has those things. You know, you guys were lucky enough to have technology <laughs> kind of in the works. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of businesses, they were like the little cracks where they're like, oh, oh, we need to get online or, oh, we need an actual social media presence. Um and, you know, and in some cases, like, I don't know, there's been disgruntlement, there's been movement. Um, you guys have, have had some, um, you guys have had some employees rise up and say, hey, you know, things aren't quite the way that we want them to be um, and propose like unionization. Now, that's not directly a COVID thing because this has been happening. I mean, like, if I look back in the world of coffee, I don't know. It's been happening in coffee nationally for the last couple of years where, you know, I mean, spaces like Spot Coffee in Buffalo, I think was was in this position maybe last year um, and Mighty Good Coffee. You know, there's there's been a movement toward that. And, and you guys have had that at Collectivo as well. What what can you say about about that? I mean, do you know where it came from or? Well, I think... Um... Uh, you know, obviously the pandemic has given rise to, you know, a lot of things. It's created a lot of uh, unrest and angst. It's created, you know, the unfortunate um, uh, rise of some uh, unfair social justice issues. And, and, um, and you know, it's just, it's, it's raised anxiety levels, you know, frankly, for, for, for all people. Um, and, you know, so I think that one of the things that's happened as a result of that is when you have angst and unknowns and when you have, you know, sort of you're not sure where the world's going and you're not sure, you know, the stability of your job or, um, you know, it, it, it gives rise to other things that either maybe you want to feel like you want to control or it gives rise to you wanting to to uh, sort of champion a cause. And so, yes, you know, here at Colectivo, there's um, uh, been a group of coworkers um, that have, you know, uh, brought up the idea of organizing and, um, you know, for us, you know, for 27 years, I mean, this this company has been built as a people culture first uh, organization, you know, constantly trying to create better opportunity. Um, it's always been the discussion, you know, when we talk about growth or people when I when I mentioned earlier around growth and change, people think it's scary. And we view it one because, like you said, who wants to stay the same person um, every day? Um uh, it, be, it becomes uninteresting, but more importantly, you don't grow. And so growth can take on a couple of avenues. You know, when you when you grow, you create more opportunity. I mean, there was, there are so many jobs here that didn't exist 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago, but through the entire arc of this organization, it's always been about trying to be a good, reputable destination employer. And an employer for a lot of people who, A, were either their first job or were we're almost everybody's side hustle. You know, people have something that they're either studying or working on or they're in transition and we're a stop along their journey and we, we love that. And what we've always taken very seriously is when you're with us for a stop along that journey, we want to be a fair and equitable employer, meaning that we want to pay a fair wage. And frankly, we pay at the top of the top of the market um, very early on when the company was even much smaller than we are now. The idea of health benefits, I mean, the fact that you can be a cafe co-worker 
and and have full health benefits. You can have a matching 401k that you can have, you know, um, uh, mental health, life health uh, uh, accessibility to counseling. The way the, the way that we've built sort of, you know, this flexible um, uh, em- employment structure. You know, it's like you miss it. You, you miss an hour here. Yeah, pick it up over here. You want to earn some extra hours? Yeah, come work in the warehouse. You know, we've we've worked really hard to be a fair and equitable employer. And I think that there are some coworkers who I, we just we don't understand um, uh, how a, a union would make us better. Um, and how putting an organization in between us, this has always been, uh, you know, it's uh, an organization of us. You know, we've had an open door policy. We have coworker led leadership groups, um, uh, you know, where we are, we are known nationally as a, you know, as a, as a leader in not only in the coffee importing that we do, but for who we are as an organization. And so um, uh, I think the pandemic has maybe just sort of brought out um, certain levels of angst, you know, and that it, for some people it's come to a head, you know, for us, you know, in the, in the, in the face, in the, in the face of all of this, we've, we've never during this entire time as we're looking to, you know, cut back jobs, we've never cut back on any safety measures. Frankly, we've been operating above, above all CDC and local um, uh, health measures. You know, we've not, we've been able to, uh, uh, able to seat people inside our cafes for months. We haven't done it. Um, we've been able to go to to contact transactions. We haven't done it. Um, we've never the cafes have never been short of any safety PPE or any anything that you know would would prevent you from being 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 and feeling safe. Now, granted, nobody had the playbook for for, <laughs> for the pandemic. You know, things were changing, and things, frankly, are yeah. still changing. But what I can say is we're we're doing our best you know, to sort of not only be fair and equitable employers and, and we haven't asked anybody to take pay cuts. We haven't cut back on any of the safety measures. We haven't cut back on the quality of our products. Um, we haven't, you know, we've, we've still kind of constantly tried to keep our eye on the horizon while still managing something that we have no idea what the outcome of is, you know. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of our employees aren't for it and they understand the merits of what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, it's, whether we're being judged by some through an unfair lens of a, a pandemic, um, you know that nobody had the playbook for. Um, uh, but yeah, we just we don't we don't understand how you know a union would make our organization better. If you're in a lifelong trade, great, and unions have their place, you know. But unless you're planning on being a barista with us for the rest of your life, we don't see the the merits or the value um, of it. So. Yeah, and to to voice kind of the opposite side, I, I have a piece from Urban Milwaukee that has both the, the ownership and it is very just straight down the line. Uh, one of the organizers and employees talks about how a lot of the impetus for this is to give uh, workers more leverage with upper management and, and to kind of convey personally, you know, what the ground level situation is for people who work in the cafes and warehouses. And I, I, I think it's, I think, like you said, like it, you've, you, the organization's working very hard to be good and equitable to its employees, but mm-hmm. doesn't a union just formalize that and guarantee that, um, you know, for, for it, doesn't that just kind of create security for those employees? 
What kind of, what do you mean security and leverage, Matt? Well, in terms of knowing that, you know, knowing that safety, hours of work, pay, um, knowing that you have a voice at the table, uh, and knowing that that's locked in, that that's not something that can change. I know uh, some of the early uh, complaints when the, the first union thing was brought up was, you know, there were things changing as as the company was growing. And... As a as a result, they they kind of want to be in that room as members of that organization. Doesn't this kind of lock that in? Matt, well, Matt, do you understand how unions work? Like that's not actually how unions unions work. First of all, the you know the union is a is a third party. So, you know, when you go into any sort of organizational relationship, everything comes off the table and then everything gets put back on the table. So it's all negotiated. Um, when you're looking at having a voice for the table. Is a, is a is a more effective voice being able to just like walk and talk to to me, um, who's in the cafes all the time, or having to go and talk to having to look outside the organization and talk to a third party, and in terms of security, I mean I think that's one of the big great misnomers that you know the unions aren't bound to any any sense of the same as as we are so like securities like unions can't guarantee job security matt matt that's not that's not something that that is even remotely part of it now they might say that but they but they can't yeah i i will say that i have a i i think for a lot of people you you talked about you know you have to have this third party situation uh, and wouldn't it be easier to talk to one of the bosses? And I would say that maybe as a younger member of the working uh, working body, I, I sometimes feel uncomfortable asking my boss questions and asking them tough questions about you know salary and work to, and and time off and things of that nature and. Wouldn't a union help, you know, wouldn't that the the kind of concept of a third party helping to negotiate between what can be an inherently tense situation between owners and employees, wouldn't that help? Matt, so, you know, 60% of our workforce is like part-time. Where Where's the value in in that? Like where... Where is where is the value in you know and I I feel bad for you that you you feel uncomfortable talking to your to oh, to, to I, your I, boss for not, example. That's not but, a reflection on my boss. Yeah. I I love my yeah. boss. I've loved all the bosses I've worked with, but it is an inherent power and it is an inherent power uh, power situation. It is, yeah. and a union seems like it tries to help that and balance that. Well, in you know, in in all fairness, I am not a labor law. Um, expert, and I can't see. Neither you know, am I. I, can't, I, I, and I and and I and I yeah. once again, I can't see how the representation of a third party helps any form of communication, helps any form of relationship um, uh, uh, with with each other. Um, once again, we've never ever thought about it as us as us versus them. We've always been one company. Um, we've always tried to do our best. Like I said, to be you know equitable employer. Like frankly, I don't know you know. From a from a salary standpoint, I can't, you know, I, like I said, I don't I, I don't have experience um, in in a union related world. All I know is uh, we believe what we've built here um, is is better the way it is for everybody um, versus inserting a, a third party. I think I think the interesting question that this brings up is is when when someone brings up something like oh 
we want to unionize. And even if it's a small, you know, a small group of people, um, what happens at the top? Like, what are your thoughts? You know, do you have thoughts like, oh, is there something about this culture? You know, like we've been trying to do everything right. You know, this is this is our intention. You know, we've been keeping salaries high. We've been doing these things. Um, is there an element of, you know, self-analysis or self-criticism where you go, why? Like, like what, you know, what made this, made this, you know, sure, what, you prompt, I mean, what prompted frankly, this? Yeah, yeah, frankly, that happens every day. I mean, you should emails in from customers that had bad experiences or... Um, or good experiences, or um, when you do regular exit interviews. I mean, obviously, there's always, nobody's perfect. We are not perfect by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, yes, yeah. you always take stock whenever you're faced with, with any challenging situation or whenever you're faced with something that um, uh, is, you know, where you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, no, of course. But what I can tell you is historically as an organization, we've always, always address things, you know, um, in a manner that, you know, is trying to be the most benevolent, trying to be the most equitable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, it's it's a bit like a fish needs a bicycle for us in this thing. I like, I don't quite, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. So. So, so what I'm hearing from you is you're really trying to kind of pull people back together into the we, you know, into the us. Um, you know, into the culture that has been. It's it's who we've been for 27 years. We're we're not we're not trying to reinvent anything. We're just kind of con- we're trying to continue to do the good work and mm-hmm. and and uh, maintain who we are as an organization while battling sort of an unforeseen, you know, pandemic. Um, right, right. You know, that's an existential threat to lots of people, um, unfortunately. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so when you look ahead, I mean, understanding kind of that we don't really know, we don't really know when the other side, where there's, where the other side is, like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Um, kind of what's, what's your, what's the mode of thinking? Like, I guess what's, what's, not new on the docket, like, but moving forward, like, how do you, how do you make those decisions and how do you look at like the world for you guys? Is it, is it day by day? Is it, you know, is it week by week, month by month, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's or all are you of kind it. of I'm, trying to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all of it. I mean, obviously we have to get through this. I mean, you have to, you have to make it to the other side. Um, and you know, we have a plan, um, you know, what the plan is to constantly, uh, adjust, um, you know, because we're always going to do what's best for the overall organization. Um, but yes, it's day by day. I mean, you know, two weeks ago, you would have thought that, oh, we're, you know, three weeks ago, you thought, okay, maybe we're getting to a point where we could consider offering indoor dining. Um, uh, and here we are three weeks later where it's like, okay, for us, that's not, that's not doable. Um, yeah, things um, took a turn in October. Uh, they did, they did, you know, and it was against a plan that we had. But you know, so we have to adjust. Um, you know, right now, um, you know, we really are. We're focused on just getting through the other side, um, and we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have some uh, scars and war wounds for sure. But uh, we, you know, our intentions are to get through the other side. Um, um, 
and then be there and return into some of the neighborhoods. Yeah, Matt, I don't know if that was like a card or fell something. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those people who puts duct tape on his camera normally. So, yeah. uh, cause I don't, I don't, I don't need yeah. weird hackers somewhere finding out what I look like when I'm watching TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my duct tape got adventurous there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, like you know, yeah, we are we are an optimistic organization by nature, um, and you know we're very hopeful for what when the other side is. I mean, that's probably not until next year. Um, right. um, and uh, you know, so we're going to kind of continue to do our best and 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 uh, try to mm-hmm. operate the business that, in a manner that we can, um, uh, you know, safely and um, get through the other side and hope mm-hmm. for a return to sunny weather and, and somewhat life is what it used to be. Yeah. yeah. What it, so for those who want to support uh, Colectivo, where, what is the best way to go about doing that right now? Is That's it, exactly you know, my question. Snagging mm-hmm. takeout coffee? Is it getting gift cards? Is it buying bags of beans? What is what is kind of the the it, it, or, or all the above? It's all it's all of the above. <laughs> Obviously, when you hit the cafes, you benefit. You know, everybody benefits. Um, uh, yes, buying gift cards and encouraging people, especially as the weather gets cold, um, you know, to kind of stay moving around. Um, to your point, so that we don't all turn into um, ge- gelatinous um, creature, cre- creature people, right on our <laughs> yes. on our hover hover chairs. Exactly. Um, um, but yes, you know, um, and frankly, it's that way for all the other businesses. You know, it's easy to get it's easy to get stuck at home, but there's a lot of other businesses, not just us. Um, you know, and frankly, we were talking about this maybe even before you hopped on, Matt, that are in a even a tougher spot than we are. Um, so trying to support them because you know the small independent restaurants and mom and pops and other independent businesses it's what makes life in neighborhoods interesting so uh, we'll take anything you're willing to support you know the cafes obviously or, you know benefits everybody but a gift card or you know buying some beans online and shipping a little bit of milwaukee to a, a relative you can't see this holiday um spread it out because I think everybody needs yeah, it. Yeah. And all of that helps. Have you guys thought, have you guys thought about, I mean, one of the, one of the interesting opportunities about all of this, you know, cause I'm sure that you saw kind of a change when people went yeah. from, Oh, I can, I can be on the patio. Like maybe I can have yeah. an outdoor cafe of sorts yeah. um, to definitely transitioning to, well, not being able to have a cafe in most cases. Um, like, and you guys, you guys have always thought creative, creatively about, you know, about different things, you know, whether it's the interiors of, of the cafes or like what you do for promotions or when you come out with certain things. Is there a way to activate winter, <laughs> you know, in, in this city? You know, you guys do serve hot beverages. So, you yeah. know, somebody's going to do this, you know. Um, could it be you guys? I, you know, I think one of the one of the unintended positive uh, outcomes of all of this is people are going to learn how to live outside and be comfortable outside a little bit longer and more than normal. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we're a northern climate, it's always been a little bit interesting to me that kind of when seventy two and sunny goes away, <clears throat> mm-hmm. people start to hibernate inside. And I think I, what I hope is that people are going to realize, you know what, when it's sunny and thirty degrees. Can sit outside and have a cup of coffee and it'll be really great i'll have my jacket on you know um or i'm okay sitting outside and eating you know 
bringing a blanket like they do in the northern Europe, northern European companies or countries. You know, you bring a blanket with you to dinner and you eat outside. You put the blanket around you and you sit down in your chair and it's like, mm-hmm. it's lovely. Um, so I hope that one of the positive things that comes out of this is people realize, you know what, we can be outside and be comfortable later into the year and then earlier um, into the year. So, you know, we're going to do our part. We're going to try to figure out some ways to, you know, expand and shoulder the seasons um, on some of the patios. Um, and we're going to leave mm-hmm. patio furniture out longer than normal because um, mm-hmm. we hope people come and they, you know, sort of sit out and they're active in between their Zoom calls and their everything mm-hmm. else that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Until the wind is whipping, like, you know. Yeah, there's going to be points where it's just not, it's not going to be practical. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. There, there are moments when you can't ask me to be out there, but I mean, yeah. I sort of relish the thought. I don't think we've, I don't think our skin here is thick enough. Like we should be Midwesterners, you know, yeah. we're known for being tough and getting through really the winter. This is really test our reputation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. But yeah. this yeah. is, yeah. like, you know, yeah. I mean, people say, oh, Midwesterners are tough. They get through that winter. Well, we get through it by like going yeah. in the house. Well, and so, I, sm- I smirk at a lot of Midwesterners. Westerners, because you know, for most of the year, we we smirk at other places, and we're just like, mm, mm-hmm. uh, you probably couldn't handle twenty degree weather if you tried. And then winter comes around, and Wisconsinites drive thirty miles per hour on the freeway uh, after it's mm-hmm. briefly flurried. Uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, w- Wisconsin live yeah. lives up to our stereotypes, as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, living living yeah. living uh, living well yeah. below them. Yes. 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 So, well, <laughs> well, nonetheless, well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for creating um, those spaces. You know, I mean, yeah, I think, thanks. you know, for yeah. a place that's been, been doing this for, you know, decades. I need um, my baby you know. writing hub back. <laughs> yeah. I, I, need, I need my ledge. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. the Colectivo yeah. back. Yeah. Well, we I look mean, forward to returning it to you and yes. to the rest of uh, the world when it when it yeah. gets back to normal. I will, and I, I will be there. And I look I look forward to to watching, you know, and and seeing kind of how how all of this goes. Um, you know, because it's definitely, you know, not easy for anyone um no, but in, yeah. ingenuity is alive, you know. I mean, if we can't view some opportunities here, you know. Yeah. What's left, right? Yeah, thank you again so much for joining. You're, you're us, welcome, Scott. you guys. Thanks for thanks for having me on and um, giving me some time. And I wish both of you well. I hope you're all staying safe yeah. and healthy and figuring out a way to get through all of this. Yeah. And look yeah, forward yeah. to when we can do this in person. Yeah, have a, yes. have a, have a merry Agreed. election and a merry Thanksgiving and a merry Christmas and a merry New yeah, Year. Here's, yeah, here's here's for here's yeah. for tomorrow. It's my fingers crossed. Um, it's gonna be an adventure. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be an adventure. To say it yeah, with a yeah. smile on my face. Yep. Yes. Yes. It will be. It will be. So. This is a panic attack. You just can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. I don't know if I want to end on that note, but on that note, we're uh, ending yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Here's cheers, cheers, cheers to a winter filled with hot cups of coffee. Cheers, yes, and delicious yeah. things. So, yes, cheers. cheers. And again, a big thank you. Uh, to Scott for joining us. Uh, an honest conversation, a good conversation, uh, a sprawling conversation. Uh, and I mean that all sincerely. I know, I know <laughs> things got, uh, we, we got into to deeper waters than we normally do on the Food Crush we podcast. Did, but we I, didn't. But I appreciate him, uh, you know, taking the dive and, and going in with us and, and having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to kind of deal with what's going on. And, you know, I'm, 
I don't know. I think I think unions work when they work. And but it's a struggle. I mean, it's a struggle to to envision a company and that big of a change, you know, especially during like weird hard times as it is. Well, and so. I'm sure it is, and I'm sure you kind of brought this up that I'm, I'm sure you know when you build a company and you feel like you have a good relationship with your employees. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it must, on a personal level, uh, hurt mm-hmm. on on mm-hmm. some degree to be like, oh, do you not feel the same way about me right. that that right. I think you do? And I I don't I don't begrudge a- bo- I don't begrudge anyone who may feel that way. Because mm-hmm. you know it's it's no. a normal human emotion to to be like oh yeah. I am not perceiving things the way maybe other people are yeah. and I don't think yeah uh, in the end unions are a land of contrasts <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and we yeah. will save a yeah. we will save a further dive into this conversation for our all for our two hour unions <laughs> episode of Food Crush yeah when I when I go get yeah and when yeah. I when I reeducate myself again. On yeah. the when this becomes Union's Crush, <laughs> yeah. Union's our spinoff crush. podcast, Union Crush, <laughs> Labor Laws Crush. <laughs> no, let's not crush any of those things because they all yeah. they all have a have a uh, good place in the world. Let's just seamlessly seamlessly you know. trans, uh, transition <laughs> over to just, talking dirty about food. <laughs> About coffee, about coffee. Yes, part of me. Well, we, so, coffee is technically a food yeah. that we grind up into a delicious beverage. Yeah. Uh, we, didn't, Lauren, so we, we, we didn't discuss. Yeah, like I don't know who's going to read this, but um, I have to laugh because I, as I was looking for things to go with this episode, I found the today's food porn or beverage porn, as I would have been, or as it is, um, <laughs> on of all places, the Urban Dictionary. Oh boy! Well, this is doomed. <laughs> this is doomed to be our dirtiest food porn yet. Do you no, ever I look up know. your name? Do you ever look up your name on Urban Dictionary? I don't think I have. It's very stress-inducing because you go on and you search like Matt, and everyone who's ever broken up with a Matt they dated or f- like gotten married to a, a Matt they've dated writes their uh-huh. own definition. So they'll be like, Matt is a kind-hearted, good guy who is the best human being on Earth. And then the next definition would be like, Matt is a motherfucker who sleeps with you, who sleeps really? with you and then sleeps with your best friend. Yeah, it's intense. Uh, maybe they cleaned it up. Since All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm looking at my name right now. Oh boy, I'm, I'm looking uh. up just, just to tell you. So the top definition for my name, okay, the top uh-huh. definition is crazy hot girl, beautiful, smart, and funny. Lori possesses attributes <laughs> absent in ninety nine point nine percent of women. Truly a lucky find. Plus she rocks. Yo, then, like, Lori next- is so hot. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, and then like the next definition is going to be like Lori is the worst human being you've ever met. Lori is uh, evil incarnate. Uh, like it's just oh, this funny. Is funny. They're all yeah. so nice. I'm gonna go read this. Oh, this is gonna there be, must like... be exclusively nice Lori's. I'm looking for a bad one. I'm looking for oh. a bad one. Um, damn. Look at look maybe at my you, name is just Lori. not. This is this is like uh, like life affirming. <laughs> Yeah, because last time, maybe they got rid of all the bad definitions on Urban Dictionary, because I know last time I went on Urban Dictionary, it was like the whiplash going from like, Matt is a good human being to Matt is the literal spawn of Satan. There's a lot emotionally to handle. 
oh, wait. There is a, Lori is an OCD mother who has to have everything in order. She hates people, oh. but loves animals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder, I wonder whose daughter wrote that one. Uh, I don't know. The, the, the top, uh, the top definition for Matt is a verb that means to miss an opportunity that's right in front of your face. In a sentence, I could have talked to that cute girl at the bar, but I matted up pretty badly. That's complicated. Complicated, yeah. Matt. <laughs> yeah, and then the second definition is a guy who keeps blowing smoke up his own arse on Urban Dictionary. Hmm. Yeah, and then oh, the third oh. definition is a Matt is will make the best boyfriend guy friend ever. So truly, uh, no one can seem yeah. to uh, determine what a uh, what a Matt is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm getting down to the bad ones. I'm also a home yeah. wrecker. Home wrecker. See, I told you. <laughs> Smells like shit. Fugly. Okay. We All right, promised I get this. this was going to be a fast outro. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And it's not. Somewhere anyway, producer to... Gabe is, is preparing to end his own life. Yes. Let's, get, let's get back to the coffee erotica. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, is that the title of our, of our, yes, of our piece coffee, today? Coffee erotica. And oh, it's boy. written by Lizzie, who has no last name for Urban yeah. Dictionary. So close um, to being Lizzo. So I don't know who Lizzie is, but Lizzie Lizzie wrote this, um, and I don't know. Should I? I'll, do you want me to just take this one, Lori? I think you should yeah. go for it. I All demand right. it. All right. So, coffee erotica by Lizzie for Urban Dictionary. It starts with the first whiff of freshly ground, properly roasted beans. The scent tickles the olfactory nerves like a lover's perfume. There's an impatient waiting for the cup. Maybe a shuffling of feet back and forth in line, anxious and nervous. And then, oh, that glorious cup in your hands, warming the skin and bringing the blood to the surface. You place your face over the rim of the cup to inhale the luscious, hot steam. Slowly, tepidly, you place your lips on the rim and take the first tentative sip. The dark liquid fills your mouth and surrounds your tongue before it slides down your throat. You relax. You have what you are looking for. Your brain starts to bubble with caffeine-induced inspiration. When you're finished, all that's left is a lipstick stain on the edge of an empty cup and a very satisfied grin. Well, now I want a cup of coffee, I, I know. That's what I want. I know. And I, I can't drink coffee. It's too late in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree, all Lori. It's, it's about... It's about five o'clock right now, and I'm going to be awake for at least another ten hours. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I could still fit in a cup, but, but overall, yeah, I don't know. After reading that, though, like maybe a little too much overstimulation. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm going to need as little. I, we are going to be overstimulated this week with the election. So, where can people find some nice escapism in the form of food crush? <sighs> Nice escapism. That sounds lovely. And yes, you can you can find Food Crush. Well, you found us today. So you can find us again right here. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Food Crush Pod. 
Nice. Where can people find you? People can find me. Ah, Asked you first. (laughs) All of those same places at Low Frederick. And how about you, Matt? You can find me at a man about film on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Though, as always, I don't use Instagram, so don't even bother. Much to the anger and dismay of my editor. I say we should all bother and like get you all the all the fans and all the likes, and all the friends I want on you Instagram. To be the most famous, to be eight, the most famous Instagrammer who never Instagrams. Yes. God, what a what a great title that would be. Um, and, and again, thank you to to Scott for joining us here on the Food Crush Podcast. Thank you, Lori, as always, for joining me on the Food and, Crush Podcast and, thank you, and for man. co-hosting this. Ah. And uh, to everyone out there, as always, keep cooking and keep wearing a mask. And hopefully, you voted. <laughs> <laughs>